It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Pitch to Contact podcast, part of the Twins Talk Network. I'm your host, Ben Jones, and I'm joined by my co-host, as always, John Cut. John, how are you doing today? I'll be honest, my mind is a little bit more on basketball. We'll get to that later in the podcast, uh, but I'm doing well. Um, spring is in the air, which in Minnesota means 40 degree weather. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how things are going for you in your neck of the woods, but um, yeah, uh, perfect perfect timing for an away series for the Twins, honestly. Uh, uh, it Although I don't think it's supposed to improve when they're back here at home playing the Nationals. <laughs> Definitely. We are... Uh, recording this on Sunday night, right before the Timberwolves' first playing game. So like John, I've got yep. some basketball on the brain. We're going to talk a little bit about basketball at the end here because I live in Utah, which means I have plenty of Rudy Gobert thoughts <laughs> and complaints to get out into the open. Um, but in the meantime, we'll make sure to give you all your coverage for the Twins like you're always uh, getting from us here on the Pitch to Contact podcast. Uh, as a quick reminder, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Twins Talk Pod and subscribe to your to the podcast wherever you get them. Uh, we're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon, Google, anywhere you can think of, we're there. And if you enjoy, be sure to leave us a five-star rating. All right, so today, like we said, we're going to be going over the Twins week the series against the white Sox and the yankees i will go over your, the individual games what went well what didn't and then we'll go through a few general news notes at the end so first a quick weekly snapshot the twins for the week they were four and three they had a big series win over the white Sox. they split a series with the yankees which obviously you're hoping for the win but a split series against the yankees in new york uh is always welcome uh, for the season, this puts them at 10 and 6. They're still sitting first in the AL Central, and they're tied for second overall in the American League. Uh, the kind of theme for the week this week was health issues. Uh, Gallo and Kyle Farmer both ended up on the IL. We'll talk more specifics about their injuries uh, as we go here. Correa had some back issues that cropped up, which is a little concerning for Carlos Correa, given his history. Uh, and Buxton had a little bit of a scary co- collision on the base paths as well. There's some pretty uh, rough-looking lineups in the middle of the week, uh, which were not pretty. The Twins were able to get some wins anyway. And, of course, uh, the other big story was Maeda getting pushed back because of some fatigue, which is not completely unexpected, but still a little concerning nonetheless. Yeah, and actually with that uh, comment about Maeda, we'll just go straight into Game 1 of the White Sox series, uh, where Maeda pitched uh, six innings, eight hits, four in runs, and three strikeouts. Uh, maybe the important thing to notice here is that Maeda did manage to go for um, 83 pitches, which isn't a lot 
Uh, but it is still kind of the second week of the season. So he's still getting stretched out a little bit, but that's probably why the twins were willing to uh, kind of push back his start a little bit, just because they didn't think he was completely there. Uh, and the stuff didn't look great either. Um, I think he's still struggling to get whiffs. Like we mentioned last week, though, it wasn't that big of a whiff pitch in 2021 as well. But, you know, there was injury there. Uh, we'll see if that ever gets back to its level back in 2020. Um, there was a slight dip in velocity. Again, maybe pointing to some fatigue. Uh, he did give up a three-run homer to Hanser Alberto on a hanging slider, middle-middle. Um, probably just a you know an error there. But other than that fourth inning where he gave up those that those three runs, he only gave up three hits. Um, so in the, the other five innings, he he was still fine. Um, I'm not saying he's washed yet, but uh, but I think we're going to have we're going to need to be a little bit more patient with Maeda as the season continues. Yeah, I think that first start just set expectations so high where, yeah. oh my gosh, Kent is back. He's looking like Cy Young form again, 2020. And I think, um, you know, that was never really going to be the case this season. He's mm-hmm. 35. He hasn't pitched a full competitive baseball game in two years. Yep. And so, you know, it, it's expected for it to be a little rusty. And even the fatigue at his age, I don't think is all that unexpected. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think... Frankly, you know, this wasn't his best start, but if he's more consistently looking like this, maybe that's fine for your fifth starter, you know? Right. I mean, it, uh, you know, if you take away those, that Homer to Alberto, if you just told me that Maeda for the rest of the season can do six innings and maybe give up two runs every start, I mean, I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, definitely. He was not as sharp, like you said, but I think the Twins are hoping with a little more rest. Um, skipping his next start he was scheduled for this week. He'll be able to have a little bit more of that stuff. And the nice thing is that if this is something the Twins feel like they regularly have to do, they have the starting pitching depth with guys like Louis Varland and uh, Bailey Ober, among Mm -hmm. others, that they can do this when they feel like they need to. Yeah. Uh, The other big news here, which you also mentioned, was Carlos Correa sitting out um, the second game in a row uh, with back tightness. Uh, he actually ended up missing the entire series with the White Sox. Um, so uh, four total games, I believe, that he missed. Um, but he he was back by the start of the Yankee series. The only worrying thing here is that he did have some back issues back in, I believe, 2018 and 2019. But he said that this was a little bit different. It was uh, in a different area of his back. So he wasn't too worried that it was going to affect him. And obviously, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but he looked pretty solid in the, in the, in the Yankee series. Um, other interesting news here, Larnick batted leadoff, continued his on-base streak. Uh, but really what happened to the Twins is that they just ran into Dylan Cease. Um, uh, he did a pretty good job of limiting damage. It wasn't like a, a a perfect line or anything for a guy who finished second in the Cy Young race last year. But the Twins were one, uh, one for seven with runners in scoring position, had nine players left on base. Um, the defense did have some blitz, uh, but basically the Twins weren't able to take advantage of, of those mistakes. Uh, with Dylan Cease... I don't want to say too many bad things about him. He is a good pitcher. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. I think his reputation is better than the actual type of pitcher he is. Oh, completely. He, yes. he walks a lot of guys. Yep. Doesn't usually have the best control, but his stuff is good enough that he can get out of it. He, so, he's he's the definition of effectively wild. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> um, he, he is all over the place, but like you said, um, in this game, he limited the damage, which is kind of his theme, right? Mm-hmm. Last year, he finished second in Cy Young voting. I think part of that was um, a little luck from the scorekeepers. He had a lot more runs than earned runs. And so sure. that beefs the stats up, makes him look a lot nicer. But there's no mm-hmm. doubt that he can strike out anyone on any at bat. Right, exactly. Well, moving on to game two, Pablo Lopez with another great outing. 7.2 innings, three hits, two earned runs, one walk, 10 strikeouts. Um, he actually gave up two runs in the first inning and we're like oh dear you know Pablo Lopez might this might be the bad start but then he he retired 23 straight batters um the other interesting thing here was that he opted more for a fastball changeup combo which kind of was his bread and butter for the longest time when he's with the Marlins um obviously this year he had this, has the new hyped slider um but yeah he didn't uh throw the slider that much this game and it wasn't that effective uh but he did have a 24% swing strike rate on the changeup so even when he's not completely on uh, he's on. Yeah. To me, this is the most impressive Pablo performance of the year so far. The 10 strikeouts were incredible. And then having that rough start and then locking down completely, not giving up a single base runner after that, mm-hmm. that was uh, just incredible stuff to see here from, from Pablo. And he looks like the ace the Twins need. This is the difference mm-hmm. maker for the Twins this year. Yep. Uh, it's, it's all Pablo Lopez. 
Yeah, completely agree. Um, of course, the other main thing that happened here, Byron Buxton hit homer number 100. Uh, great to see from him. He talked a little bit after the game about how he didn't even know if he was going to hit 100 because that mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily his game when he's coming up out of the minors. Yeah. You know, it really shows how much he's adapted and how much he's grown as a player uh, since his rookie year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly, this is like one of the best uh, development stories I think the Twins have had in the last few years because for the longest time, right, if in the old, let's just call it Terry Ryan regime, you know, Buxton was just you know a slap hitter, got a speed on the bases sort of guy. Um, but uh, somehow they, they saw something in him where they realized, hey, this guy's got power uh, and um, he can pull the ball really effectively. So uh, yeah. it's good to see that he's hit uh, Homer 100 and, you know, hopefully many more to come in the Twins uniform. Definitely. It's not like Buxton came out of nowhere. He was a top draft pick. He was always ranked as a top prospect, but Mm -hmm. the fact that they developed this power out of him, that he has one of the best home run rates over his last 162 games, of course, because of his health, that's pretty stretched out. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's a big credit to Byron, of course, for his work and the Twins for what they figured out to make him work. Yeah. Uh, And then uh, John Duran pitched in the ninth inning and gave up a leadoff homer to Luis Robert, ended up blowing the save. A little bit worrying. I, I think we've seen Duran give up a, a few too many homers this season. Uh, I think we're going to talk about it in, a, in another game of the, down the road where he gave up another one in the ninth. Um, but that ended up sending the game to extras. Uh, well, I mean, it wasn't the homer itself. It just, that just tied the game. And then uh, Christian Vasquez was trying to stretch a double out into a triple um, in the bottom of the ninth and ended up getting thrown out. Um, that was kind of a weird play. I don't, I don't know. I, I think he could have made it to third. He kind of slid a little strangely trying to avoid the tag. Um, I don't know. What what did you think about that play? Uh, the big man ran out of gas. He, he's <laughs> watching the replay. He slowed down a ton between second and third. <laughs> and so I, if he kept on running at the speed he was running for the first two bases, I think he would have yeah, made it. I don't know if it, was, if it was Vasquez that sent him or Tommy Watkins. I tend to just blame Tommy Watkins because he's usually wrong. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that, that wasn't the best. And, Obviously, it ended up working out in the Twins' favor. Yeah, uh, they they pinch ran for Vasquez in the tenth. Yeah, uh, after the White Sox didn't score in the tenth, meaning the winning run starting right on second base. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael A. Taylor laid down a bunt that was most likely just supposed to be a sacrifice bunt to get yep. Willie Castro over to third. Instead, the reliable White Sox defense came in, caught mm-hmm. a throwing error, and uh, hit. Michael Ta- Michael A. Taylor right in the helmet, uh, but that didn't mean that the Twins won. So, you know, exactly. a little worse for the wear, but we're always happy for a Twins win. Yeah, especially in extras against the White Sox. Always love to beat the White Sox. Yeah. All right, moving on to game three of the White Sox series. Uh, Sonny Gray was on the mound. The Twins managed to pull out the win, but uh, not without their own issues. You know, on top of all the other health de- issues the Twins have had throughout this week, Sonny Gray had a stomach bug. Uh, listening to uh, Gleeman and the Geek, uh, Aaron Gleeman reported that right before he went out to first pitch, uh, Sonny Gray threw up. And that was basically how he started the game. You could hear him runting throughout the entire outing. He clearly didn't have it, uh, but he still managed to throw five innings, only gave up three hits, two walks, and struck out five. So I think that's about as admirable of a performance as you can expect given the conditions. Yeah, and he did it in 73 pitches too. So honestly, like if he wasn't sick, I, I think he could have easily pitched. He definitely would have pitched the six. I, I think he probably could have gotten to the seventh as well. Um, but yeah, pretty solid game from him to to get five shutout innings. Um, obviously, the big story here, though, was Kyle Farmer getting hit and hit uh hit by a pitch uh Lucas Gilo fastball to the face. Um I didn't want to watch any of the replays. I ended up not because I, I just hate seeing people getting injured. But uh yeah it was uh kind of a tough aftermath. Um obviously twins were pretty shaken. Um and thankfully though no fracture he did have to go through emergency surgery to stitch up some lacerations and um reset some of his teeth. Um and I think based on the doctor's note, uh, he's basically out for a minimum of 10 days. But who knows when yeah. uh, Farmer will be back. Yeah, R- Rocco uh, in the post game was was pretty uh, rattled. You could tell that, you know, him and the team were going through some rough times. Basically, everybody likes Kyle Farmer. Nobody ever wants to see anyone get hit in the face, but especially nope. a guy who's as well-liked as Farmer is and mm-hmm. um, respected as Farmer is. And so, 
that was pretty rough. You could tell it shook Giolito a little bit too. He was really struggling with his command after that. Um, and it, it was a, definitely a scary scene. I was watching uh, at home when it happened and I audibly went, oh, like it, it, it did not look good. I had to, mm-hmm. you know, put it, put the game off for a few minutes and just kind of gather myself. And, you know, I'll, I'll hope for uh, Kyle Farmer that he gets feeling better soon because, uh, yeah, that, that's a scary situation for sure. But the twins did say that, uh, you know, a few hours later, he was texting teammates. He seemed in good spirits. Mm-hmm. Uh, and hopefully, you know, he can get back with the team soon. Uh, the one thing I'll say about this, too, is obviously I've never been hit in the face with a 90-mile-an-hour fastball, 95-mile-an-hour fastball. Yeah. But uh, when I was in high school playing high school basketball, I did get an elbow right in my face. And uh, my two front teeth didn't get knocked out, but they got basically like this displaced, knocked mm. back. And yeah. I had to get emergency surgery, get them reset. That was one of the worst experiences of my life. I couldn't eat solid food for like three months. And oh, obviously we don't know the extent of farmer's injury, but if it's anything like that, I mean, he might just struggle keeping on weight, not being able to eat food. So, yeah, well, the twins technically did have experience with this in spring training when, um, uh, oh, wow. The name escapes me right now. Uh, Jordan uh, Bazov. Yeah. Jordan Yeah. got, Socked in the jaw uh, at a bar at midnight. So, um, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully they have their uh, liquid nutrition uh, specialist <laughs> yeah. um, on on point. Yeah, the good news is, uh, you know, they have professional nutritionists who I'm sure can make some very calorie dense shakes for them. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but I'll hope and love to Kyle Farmer uh, get get back soon. Hopefully, everything works out. Mm-hmm. The the other injury thing, uh, of course, was Buxton colliding um, with the Red so- White Sox uh, second baseman. Um, he was taken out of the game for precautionary reasons. It was kind of a weird looking fall, too. Um, but he was chatting and joking around after the game. Um, so at least he seemed to think that he didn't have any uh, challenges. Um, of course, his performance since then hasn't been ideal. Uh, but... But at least, at least the twins have no reason to put him on the aisle or anything like that. Yeah, you have to imagine with how early we are in the season. If there was something really wrong with Byron, he either would sit a few days or be on the aisle. But he was right back in the lineup the next game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that there are clearly no issues now or long term. Um, but like you mentioned. He doesn't have a hit since the collision happened. Maybe it's just coincidence. Yeah, uh, he has a couple walks, but yeah, he he just hasn't looked quite right since then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and then just a couple other things. Um, like we mentioned in the last game, John Duran gave up another homer in the ninth. Um, thankfully though, the score was three zero at that point, uh, so he didn't blow a save. Um, so he did close it out. And then um, Edward Julian, uh, the much hyped prospect. Uh, the twins debuted uh he went over two with a walk um so uh, glad that he came up obviously it sucks because he kind of came up because of injury reasons and then of course uh farmer ended up getting hurt as well uh so it looks like he'll be up here for a little while uh, i'm not sure how long the twins are going to keep him up here with some uh news about jorge polanco also uh playing in some games but um it was good to see julian up um Obviously, he was a super hot prospect. Like he led the Arizona Fall League in OPS. Uh, he had a really good WBC for Team Canada. Um, you know, he's had multiple, uh, well, technically not multiple hundred plus walk seasons. He had 102 in uh, single A and then 98 in double A last year. Um, so almost got multiple seasons with 100 walks. But uh, he's definitely a menace with the bat. Definitely, and he, he's a guy where he fills a big hole in the Twins lineup. I think mm-hmm. overall they don't have many, but what they're really missing is that reliable leadoff guy. They've tried Kepler in that. He's mm-hmm. looked pretty bad to start the season. Nick Gordon has had a few chances. They put Byron back up there for a few games. Yeah, And, you know, I, I think the whole lineup just kind of clicks and makes a little more sense if you have a guy like Julian who can get some hits, get on base, get a little power in the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if, if he hits – the twins won't send him down. They'll find a way to get him at bats, even when Joey Gallo gets back, even when Jorge mm-hmm. Polanco gets back. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think the twins would love for him to just come up and hit right away. Hasn't gone as well as I think he would like so far. Right. But there, there's been some good signs. Mm-hmm. For sure. And uh, we could talk about those good signs in the Yankee series. Um, first game, uh, we'll just talk about the pitching quick, but it really didn't matter too much in this game. Uh, Joe Ryan with a starter start seven innings, um, only gave up three hits, one and in run. 
10 strikeouts, which is impressive considering, um, yeah, he was that good against the Astros last time around too. Yes, he did give up that grand slam to yard on Alvarez, but other than that, he was he was pretty solid. Um, his fastball was was really, really good. Uh, 40% called strike plus whiff rate. Uh, secondaries, unfortunately, weren't really there, but it didn't really matter for him because he was still, that fastball was still elite. Um, of course, though, the pitching was not the most important part of this game uh, and that the real story was the offense. Yeah, they jumped out with a nine-run first inning. Uh, so at that point, Joe Ryan just throw strikes, throw a fastball, get through some innings because nothing else really matters. The, yep. the Yankees were completely shut down, and the Twins jumped out right away. It was great to see that first start, and especially the fact that it just kept on pouring on. Mm-hmm. I think against the Yankees specifically, anytime you see those early runs, I flash back to the 2017, I think it was, wildcard game, where – I think Byron, uh, Ryan Dozier, Eddie Rosario both hit home runs in the first inning, scored three runs. Immediately, the Twins gave up four in the bottom of the first. Mm-hmm. And so playing the Yankees, you can never score enough runs, keep on pouring it on. Yep. By the time it was all done, the Twins won 11-1, to and it was just nice to see the Yankees implode for once instead of the Twins. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, the big thing here, of course, was Julian getting his first major league hit, uh, let off with a single off right field, and then in that same inning uh, – hit a homer so uh yeah pretty pretty solid uh day from for him uh Correa also homered in that game Mike Lloyd Taylor homered twice um in in that game so just a really good uh, offensive showing um and I thought there was a really fun story that uh Carlos Correa was talking to Cole Sands before the game and he told him to basically like warm up and get ready because he felt like this was going to be um, they were going to score a lot of runs in this game and they would need him in long relief to just uh, get some uh, eat up some innings. And then, of course, Cole Sands did end up uh, pitching in this game. So uh, just kind of a little fun little tidbit there. Yeah, I, I think like we all expected, Michael A. Taylor is leading the team in home runs, tied for the lead uh, with Joey Gallo, just like we all thought was going to happen. Joey Gallo, of course, has only played seven games. Mm-hmm. Um, so just a super normal season going on for the Minnesota Twins, like always. Totally. Yeah, never never a doubt. Uh, moving on to game two. So this was the interesting one uh, where they called up Louis Varland. Uh, from AAA because they were planning to skip uh, Maeda's next start. Um, of course, they didn't call up Bailey Ober because of how the AAA rotation was set up. Varlin was the guy um, who was on uh, the adequate amount of rest, and so they brought him up for his season debut. Um, started off kind of rough. He gave up uh, two solo homers to Anthony Volpe and Aaron Judge in the first inning, uh, but ended up looking better than th- uh, looking better after that. Only gave up three more hits until the sixth inning when he gave up a rocket line drive homer to John Carlos Stanton. Uh, but overall, just a solid, solid giver here. Yeah, sure, three solo home runs. You, you don't really love to see it, but he still managed eight strikeouts, um, six hits. Um, the, the big thing here I noticed was his velocity was up like two and a half miles an hour on all his pitches uh, compared to last year's average. So just a good sign of continued development for him and what the Twins are doing uh, with his arm. Um, obviously, he had some pretty big starts Last year, um, he actually debuted at Yankee Stadium last year, I believe. Um, but it, he'll probably just be, you know, a spot starter this year unless there's some injury with the Twins. Uh, but with a lot of impending free agents coming up uh, with the Twins rotation, I believe Male and Maeda are definitely uh, free agents next year. I think Sonny Gray as well. Um, I could see Varlin being a crucial part of the rotation next year. He might he, he slots him as like a really good number four, number five uh, starter, I think. Yeah, I mean, Louis Varland is maybe one of the Twins' best developmental success stories of recent memory. He's back-to-back mm-hmm. Twins minor league pitcher of the year, award winners. He's, of course, a Minnesota native, so that's always nice yep. to see um, a local kid come up and succeed. And yet, the big thing for him has been year to year to year, he's always gotten better. He's never plateaued off. And this mm-hmm. year, he looks like he's doing that again with the added velocity, where you know, last year he was sitting 93, 94. He's easily sitting 95. He touched 97 with a couple pitches mm-hmm. uh, in this in this last start. So, yeah, the, the Twins, Yankee Stadium specialist, put together another quality start, struck out eight and in six innings. It was really awesome to see from him. Yeah. Um, and then just a little tidbit about the relievers here. Um, after Varlin was out after the sixth inning, uh, Pagan came in, actually ended up getting the win here. Um, Lopez uh, came in the eighth with two strikeouts and then Duran with the save. Uh, should emphasize here, Pagan had his third straight appearance without giving up a run. That being said, though, Hallelujah. 
Yeah, it's true. That being said, though, it came against Jose Trevino, uh, Isaiah Kainafalipa, and Anthony Volpe. So not exactly murderous row, but uh, honestly, uh, I'll take that from Emilio Pagan, even if it's against batters 8, 9, and 1. Yeah, I, I think in a different game, this is where you'd see Griffin Jacks, but Jacks mm-hmm. had been used quite a few times over the last few games, and so yep. he, he was unavailable, and they kind of had to go with Pagan. Yeah, I, and I will say Jorge Lopez looked uh, excellent. You know, excellent. Yeah, he faced Judge. Rizzo, he gave up a single to Stanton, which, you know, it happens. And then he struck out uh, Gleyber Torres. And honestly, he's been really, really solid this year. I mean, last year he had that, you know, weird blip where he basically just lost his command and um, wasn't that all-star reliever that we were all expecting him to be. Uh, but he's been really, really solid this year. Um, his his yeah. keys. He's been consistently clipping the corners with, you know, 98, 99 mile an hour sinkers. And if you can do that, there's not many players who can get hits off of you yeah seven appearances no earned runs um i think that's that's all we were hoping to see this this year for for lopez yeah definitely and it's been nice that lopez and jacks have looked so strong while duran maybe hasn't had his sharpest stuff quite yet mm-hmm. um you know he's been the victim of the short porch in yankee stadium uh i think that's kind of a theme for this series as well where uh, in the games the Twins won, they got a few short porch home runs. In the games the Yankees won, they got a few short porch home runs. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, Duran left a few too many pitches right down the middle. He has the stuff that I think sometimes it doesn't matter. If you can throw 103 miles an hour, it doesn't really matter where you throw it. Mm-hmm. But um, he, he's looked just not quite ready yet this season. Yeah, um, we'll see how that continues with um if the twins continue to put him in that, that closer role, if he feels comfortable with that, I'd, it'd be kind of weird if he didn't um, feel too comfortable. I mean, like he's 10, they've tended to use him in, in last year, at least against like the, the, you know, the best uh, hitters in the order, or kind of more as a fireman, but it seems this year they're pretty locked in into having him come out in the ninth. Yeah. I, I'm not worried about it. He has the stuff that it'll, it'll play. And mm-hmm. so, if he just gets his control under a little bit, stops throwing stuff right down the middle, um, he'll be fine. He has a long track record in the minors of not really having command issues. Not that he's walked that many guys, but the command of keeping the ball outside of the middle of the plate. And so I, I'm confident he'll get back on track and he'll look just like he did last year. Yeah. Uh, the the good story here for the, the bats was a great night for Correa. Um, he... Had a homer in the sixth and then ended up with the game-winning run or score, batting in the game-winning runs in the eighth uh, when he scored Michael A. Taylor and Buxton um, off uh, Clay Holmes, I believe. And so uh, just a good night for him. He he's For some reason, he plays really, really well in, in uh, Yankee Stadium and I'm just glad he plays for us and not them. Yeah, that that uh, Correa homer, I thought for sure it was just a fly to right, but the short porch helped us out and just – fell right over the wall. So yeah. very nice. Yep. And then uh Kyle Garlic also hit a homer. Um good for him, I guess. I don't he's, really he's here to do one thing and that's hit home runs off of lefties. So yeah, he did it. Exactly. He did his job. Yep. Um, and uh, that's all we'll, we'll that's all we'll need for him. Yeah. The the one thing I'll say with Garlic too is it'll be interesting to see what the twins decide to do with their lineup right. uh, and with their roster when guys start to get healthy. Yeah. Uh Julian could just be sent down. No issues there. The problem with garlic is if you send him down, he's out of options. You have to pass him through waivers first. Yep. And uh, that's where you might run into trouble. Now that we're getting into the season, guys are getting injuries. Teams have open roster spots. And so, whereas you could pass garlic through in the off season, you may have more of a difficult time doing it in season. Right. And the weird thing with garlic too, is he is our only right-handed corner outfield bat, um, which like normally wouldn't be that big of an issue. Uh, but on this team, when you have you have a bunch of lefties in the, in the corner outfield spots, um, having that right-handed uh, batter that you can slot in, you know, against these lefty lineups is somewhat of a premium. Yeah, especially with uh, the Kyle Farmer injury, you know, yeah. I, I think that'll kind of be informative too. Is, is Kyle Farmer out for a month or is he out for three months? Because if he's out, you know, longer than a month, then probably you need to do what you can to hang on to Kyle Garlic. Right. Exactly. So moving on to game three. Uh, this was Tyler Molly's start, and it was the first loss in the series for the Twins uh, to the Yankees this season. So Molly looked okay, not great. 
he gave up four runs. Only two of them were earned, but the pitches looked decent and probably a little better than they did in his last start. All things considered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it. His fastball was like weirdly like outside to righty. Is this kind of like a weird game plan decision? Um, but then the the slider and the splitter were were pretty solid. Um, splitter was particularly effective. It's getting strikes. Um, so. You know, this is maybe a, a indication of just like good stuff, bad results, um, and so we'll we'll see how it all shakes out in in the next start. Yeah, this was the first I, I would say maybe not even a bad start necessarily, but not great start, depending on how you want to categorize Maeda's from the beginning of the year. But um, you know, he just didn't quite have the stuff against the lineup, and I think at the end of the day. That's not the worst against this Yankees lineup, against Aaron Judge, against Giancarlo Stanton. Right. Um, if you're being a little more cautious against that lineup, we can do a few more walks. I, I think that's okay to limit the damage. Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the the opposing pitching, but, you know, if you're only giving up four runs, it, you're still kind of, you know, allowing your team to have a fighting chance of the game. I'm not saying you want to be giving up four runs, but, um, he didn't blow up, I guess, is probably the good thing here. Definitely. The big story from this game, though, was Domingo Herman, who is uh, just, let, let's say, not a good person. You can Google Domingo Herman if you want to learn more. Uh, he was caught with something on his hands. Uh, yeah. The, the kind of general story is that it's rosin. He had too much rosin on his hands. The umps had previously told him that he needs to take care of it, wash his hands. They checked him again, and that brought Rocco out when Herman was allowed to stay in the game, and Rocco mm-hmm. got ejected. Uh, talking about it afterwards, he talked about not necessarily um, disagreeing with anything the umps specifically did, but disagreeing with the process, with how they went about it, and the fact that Herman was allowed to remain in the game after getting a warning the first time. Mm-hmm. That you know, a lot of pitchers around the league get those warnings, and they're allowed to keep pitching but that second one is kind of where the line should be drawn and you didn't like that herman was allowed to keep pitching after that right um and i'm not saying that like it it is what like the the stats are what they are right after the third inning his his spin rate was down on all his pitches um now you could say maybe that's fatigue maybe that is kind of the effect of oh you know he he is kind of not not gripping the ball as well as he was earlier um uh, I'm not going to necessarily pass judgment. Um, but when a pitcher like Domingo Herman is perfect through five innings, uh, <laughs> that's just a little weird. Yeah, definitely. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't have much else to add. Uh, Domingo Herman probably should not be in the league anyway. Uh, so the fact that, you know, he is, and then he's also allowed to pitch with foreign substances when I think, the issue that the twins take with it is if this was one of our pitchers, he surely mm-hmm. would have been thrown out. Right. Uh, and the fact that he's allowed to get away with it. I know also another issue was that while the umps were having a meeting about it with the Yankee staff and with Yankees players, Herman just stepped away and started throwing some more warm up pitches. Mm-hmm. And you know, that, that kind of was a bad look too. And so Rocco had reason to be upset. Uh, and you know, it is what it is. Twins lose Yankees are cheaters. I don't really think it's that much cheating, but you know, it's a, it's a good narrative if you want to. Oh, wanna completely. Yeah. That. We're going to, we're going to buy into that as much as we can. <laughs> Definitely. Yankee, yeah. the Yankees had to cheat to beat the big bad twins. You know how it right. is. Exactly. Totally. Yeah. Uh, that's definitely the story here. All right. So the final game of the season, uh, it was another loss for the twins, but Pablo Lopez again, uh, looked really well. Um, he did not have his best stuff that he, um, has had to start the season but he was still able to get through six innings, only gave up two runs and still struck out seven in his effort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the big thing here was that he actually went over a hundred pitches, which um, I think the only other pitcher who's done that this season is Joe Ryan. Uh, and so, you know, it's good to, good to get at least see some endurance and uh, ability to kind of stay in games, even after, uh, after a 90 ish pitches, just because of how major league baseball is now and just how, uh, it's tough to see. It, you rarely see guys, you know, pitch to uh, that volume anymore. So, um, yeah, he still managed to to do thing to limit the damage. Uh, seven hits, but only two in runs. And um, yeah, I'm sure he'll he'll bounce back 
um it's it's nice to see though even in and we talked about this it's nice to see that even in these like tough outings like the twins still have a chance because he's able to limit the damage that well definitely he he went toe-to-toe with garrett cole who looked as good as he's ever looked uh he's yeah. one of the best pitch he's one of the five best pitchers in the league it's very similar to the sandy alcantara start from yeah. early in the season where it's just one of the best pitchers in the league and sometimes they look unhittable and the twins couldn't keep up with him at all. A complete game shutout for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was on top of everything. Yeah. Uh, maybe a little bit bright, another bright spot too, for the hitting side, even though they were shut up. I got Cole was that Donovan Solano. The hitting streak is still alive. Um, it's now at 11 games. Uh, Donnie barrels uh, who needs Luis Arias, right? <laughs> we have a Luis Arias at home. Yeah, exactly. This one's right-handed. The twins need that more anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, granted, he's not hitting over 500, which is incredible. Uh, but um, yeah, good, good for Solano. I'll be honest; I had no idea who Solano was like prior to this season. So the fact that he's even doing something like notable that's worth talking about is is kind of cool. I, I knew him a little bit because I picked him up on a fantasy league a couple of years ago when he was on the Giants. Right, yeah. my my team was ravaged and he was hitting 340, <laughs> and I was like, all right, here it is, Donovan Solano. But yeah, he he's been good, you know. He was supposed to be a bench bat. He's been pressed into duty thanks to the injuries, and he's done as well as you could expect. He's given yep. the bat on the ball. He's putting balls in play, mm-hmm. uh, and nobody's expecting him to consistently hit in the middle of the lineup, but if he can hold stuff down in the meantime, I think that's great. Uh, we mentioned Luis Arise. We should give him a quick shout-out for hitting the first cycle in Marlins history this week, the last yeah. team that was without a cycle. Mm-hmm. I personally don't think cycles mean much, but – uh, for it to happen to Luis Arise, obviously we all know there's no better player to get that honor than him. Yeah, totally. Uh, love Luis. Um, obviously he is batting out of his mind right now. Um, but uh, yeah, good, good to see that the trade has so far worked out pretty well for both sides. Yeah, it's one of those few win-win trades. I think a lot of the times, uh, you know, you look at a lot of the uh, Red Sox moves with Mookie Betts, for example. That's not really a win-win trade. This one. Uh, very much is that way where Arise seems to be working for the Marlins and you can tell that it's working for the twins because twins Twitter isn't melting down every time Arise has a three hit game. So yeah, exactly. I, I think everybody's pretty happy overall. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll be back to you with some general thoughts on the week, as well as some notes from other parts of Minnesota sports. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. All right, and we're back. Let's talk real quick about some trends for this week. So the first one is the offense, where we saw this a lot last year, and it seems like it's maybe a theme uh, so far to start this year where it seems to trend really hot and cold. Either the offense is there or it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, you had the 11-run game against the Yankees and then and then two games where we were shut out. In, right. in a complete game situation. so And I, I think some consistencies with that is, you know, the up and down for the Twins really started once the injuries came along last year. And mm-hmm. I think we're starting to see that again. Now, obviously, everybody kind of got off to a little bit of a slow start, but you're missing a lot of guys who are supposed to be opening day starters. You're missing Gallo, Kirilov, Polanco, uh, Correa missed some games. Kepler just came back off the IL. Yeah. Uh, it, it's been trying to find offense where you can find it. Nick Gordon's been off to a terrible start. And so you're relying on Matt Walner, Michael A. Taylor, uh, Eddie Julian. And so I think when you have those young unproven bats, it's expected for, you know, having some up and downs. The bigger concern to me is Byron Buxton having nine straight strikeouts, mm-hmm. right? That That's a trend that I don't think can consistently happen if the twins want to be a successful offense. 
Yeah. Um, part of the weird thing, too, is with runners in scoring position, um, a lot of times we don't capitalize in those areas. Somehow, though, we're second in the league in terms of average and OPS when it comes to uh, runners in scoring position. But then when you look at the team overall, just in general, like, so, you know, how the team is just doing over this course of 16 games, uh, they're third to last in team OPS. Um, so, yeah, there's kind of some weird sort of situa- scenarios there where um, the offense isn't necessarily coming alive. That being said, though, it's hard to argue against their record. Um, they are they are ten and six. So even with the offense not being very good, um, they're still managed to win games, and I think that's probably because of the pitching. Um, both starter core and the reliever core are really really good. Um, we're first in the league in starter ERA, starter WHIP, and strikeouts, and then fourth in the league in reliever ERA. Uh, we're first in WHIP and second in average. So it's it's kind of funny that the pitching is the reason why this team is doing so well. Um, obviously that was a strength that we identified, you know, in the, in the off season review, but it's actually kind of cool to see it uh, working out for the twins uh, so far. Yeah. I mean, think about that for a minute. The twins are leading the league in strikeouts. Like that, what a complete change from our podcast namesake pitch to contact, <laughs> exactly. which was their philosophy for forever. You know, they finally caught up and they're doing it really well. Uh, yep. It's the twins leading leagues in the strikeouts, not the Dodgers, not the Rays, not the Guardians, not the Yankees, not these other teams that mm-hmm. are so good at developing that type of pitching. Uh, the twins have developed it. They've gone out and sought it when they've signed players, traded for players, and we're really starting to see it pay off when the offense needs it. And so I, I think these are really good signs. I think the pitching has shown really good uh, underlying data that shows that this is something that can stick maybe mm-hmm. not top in the league for forever, but for sure towards the top. Right. And um, as the offense starts to come around, we start to get more guys off the injured list. I think the twins are shaping up to be in a really good spot. Right. I mean, like you mentioned, there's what three starters, right. That are on the IL right now, essentially. Yeah. Um, And with those bats back in the lineup, um, you know, you're, you're starting to push these guys like Donovan Solano, who's on a hitting streak right now. But he's he becomes a bench bat, um, and that's a guy who you feel confident in putting in the lineup every few days or uh, when you need a, a pinch hitter. Um, but that's because he'll be behind someone like um, Joey Gallo or, you know, fingers crossed, Alex Karoloff. Um, hopefully he's back to form. Um, so it's just nicer that now that the injuries are here, we can rely on guys who are hitting the ball well instead of guys like Jake Cave. Hey, he's doing well over in uh, Philly so far. Yeah, so. I'm, yeah, I don't want to rip on him too much. He actually is having a pretty solid season. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but speaking of the injuries, we did get some injury updates from the Twins. Uh, Alex Kirilov started a rehab assignment, and the general consensus with, with that was that he was pretty ahead of schedule, where mm-hmm. you know a, a lot of people were thinking maybe he's still a week or two away from starting that rehab assignment. And so he's on his way back to the Twins. Uh, players can only be on rehab assignments for up to 20 days unless a new injury happens. So that resets them. And that means that the twins essentially feel that they can get Kirilov back in, you know, less than three weeks. Mm -hmm. Uh, Gallo also started a rehab assignment in AAA. That's kind of more of a courtesy. I think when it's all said and done, he'll actually be on the injured list for all of four days. He Mm -hmm. really only got placed there because the twins were so short on players with Correa having his back stiffness with Kepler on the IL that they just needed another bat to bring up. And so Gallo did some testing the day he went on the IL. He said he was feeling good. I think the twins felt he still needed another day or two. And so extend that out, make sure he's fully healthy and get a bat who can play right now. Right. I mean, the corresponding move was getting Julian up. So uh, if, uh, they they clearly needed something because they would have been putting out maybe Willie Castro yeah. Uh, in everyday action. Uh, there's been a lot of, uh, I don't know what to call it, complaints on Twitter, on Reddit, about the Twins' handling of the injured list. I, I tend to give them the benefit of the doubt. They have more information than we do, way more. And, of course, it's easy to go back and say, oh, well, if Gallo was going to go on the injured list anyway, why didn't we do it five days earlier so mm-hmm. we could have Julian up for more games? And I think what they would say, especially with Julian specifically, is he had really only played a double A. Yeah, he had a really good spring, but given you know the 
problems Hilberto Celestino has had jumping straight from double A to the majors. Mm-hmm. I think they were a little cautious with Julian making that jump. He only had two weeks of games at triple A under his belt. Right. And at the end of the day, you know, 10 Edward Julian at bats isn't going to be the difference between winning division and not winning the division. And so it's better to take the cautious approach. It's better to just hope you could get Gallo back a little bit ahead of schedule. And so I get where they're coming from. I also get that given where twins have been the last few years with extended injured list stays, guys who are like, Oh, I'll be back after a minimum stay. And then are missing mm-hmm. a month and a half. Right. You know, it's understandable for the fans to be a little skeptical, but mm-hmm. th- there's nobody on the twins that wants players to play more than the people leading the organization. So, right. you know, I-, I just tend to give them a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt. Right. And, and there's the context too, right? Like Correa literally missed four games in a row. Like they had to get another bat up because they didn't know uh, who was going to be healthy yeah. for this Yankee series. Uh, and it's easy so. to be frustrated. They're running out Byron Buxton and the St. Paul Saints. So, you know, <laughs> it, it was it, it was rough in there for a minute, but we're starting to look a little bit more like a major league lineup. So that's good. Yeah. Um, some rehab assignment updates. So Alex Kirilov, he's only played in three games so far, but he's at 250, 455 on base percentage, 625 slugging. He hit a home run, which is great to see. You know, he's driving the ball. Of course, it's against low A pitching, and so mm-hmm. this isn't anything like um, you'll see in the majors. And so the biggest thing you're trying to see from both him and Polanco is soreness, health. How are you feeling after playing a game? Okay, yep. how are you feeling after playing two days in a row? How are you yep. feeling after playing three? And that was the big news today, which was both Kirilov and Polanco played two back-to-back games. Uh, and you know maybe some better reports from the Kirilov camp a little bit surprised surprisingly than the Polanco camp where he's still struggling to move a little bit with soreness in the knee. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's played a little bit more. He has five games, 18 plate appearances. Uh, he's hitting 286, 389, only a 357 slugging percentage, one extra base hit. That's a double. Um, and so again, it's a super small sample size, but what they're really trying to see is how the body responds to game action, not necessarily the results. Right. Like you said, it's, it's single a baseball. So uh, you can't take too much from it. Uh, in terms of success and even with failures i don't think you should take too much from it because at the end of the day they're just trying to get game action yeah neither of them played at all in spring training and so think of it as Mm -hmm. spring training you're just getting reps under your belt building up your endurance um and again since the rehab assignments have started they have 20 days um for polanco that puts him about two weeks out uh kirilov about two and a half three weeks and so um you know if all goes well, they'll be back with the twins soon, which is good to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other big move, if you want to call it a big move, it's pretty <laughs> minor, uh, yeah. was the twins acquiring Alex Degotti from the Marlins for cash considerations. Basically, it's just building out some minor league depth, which is very smart given all the injuries they've had so far, um, mm-hmm. building out a little bit more infield depth. He can fill in at shortstop. Um, I think if all goes well, we will never hear the name Alex Degotti again this year. Yeah. Uh, but just in case, there right i mean and part of the important thing here too is with farmer out somewhat indefinitely um the backup to Carlos korea is nick gordon and as much as we love nick gordon um hopefully he uh doesn't play too many games at shortstop this year yeah both uh nick gordon and willie castro can fill in at short Mm -hmm. i don't think the twins want them to for an extended basis so with kyle farmer uh, out indefinitely. If Correa gets an injury, then you could see Degati get a little time. If for no other reason than his defense, right? Um, all right. So some news from around the league. Uh, Logan Webb got an extension from the San Francisco Giants. It was five years, ninety million dollars, uh, which could be a potential framework for a Pablo Lopez extension. With how good he's mm-hmm. looked so far this year, he has one more year of team control remaining. Yeah. This is about the time you would see teams extend a pitcher like Lopez if they want to keep him around long term. Yeah, I would be very okay with this pickup uh of 5 years and 90 million. Um considering that uh, again like uh Pablo is I th- what is it? He? He's a month basically he's a month over 27 uh and if you're able to get him for five years like basically at the peak of his ability uh for only 90 million like that's that's really solid when you um when you also think about the fact that uh you know back you know a couple years ago uh, this doesn't completely sting anymore but the twins were trying to sign zach wheeler um who obviously is you know a bona fide ace you know top 10 
top 15 pitcher in the league, at least. Um, he ended up signing a five-year, $118 million deal with the Phillies, but the Twins were really pursuing him. Um, but you know, imagine a contract for that length, but cheaper for a guy like Pablo Lopez, who has the potential to become a, you know, a top 15 pitcher, I think if, if, if he stays healthy, obviously knock on wood, that's the big one there. Um, I would be more than okay with that deal. Definitely. I, I think Lopez's number might go a little bit higher than that. The main difference between Webb and Lopez, they're very similar um, track records up to this point, but Webb mm-hmm. had two years of team control after this year versus uh, Lopez's one. So, you know, kind of the Giants are downpaying those two years to try right, to yep. get a little bit more long-term security. And yep. he's, he's younger, he's 26. So with mm-hmm. this contract, he still hits free agency at 31, Logan Webb mm-hmm. does. And so he can still get that big contract down the line versus someone like Pablo Lopez. This might be his one chance at that big contract. So he might sure. hold out for something a little bigger. Um, another kind of frame of reference that I think is good to use with uh, Pablo Lopez is our old friend Jose Barrios's contract, mm, uh, yep. which was for seven years and 131 million, uh, which is about the same AAV as Webb, a little bit more extended out two years to you know get the bigger grand sum at the end of it for Barrios. Now, obviously, that contract is not going well for the Blue Jays. Barrios nope. does not look like himself uh, since going over there, uh, which you know may have saved the Twins a bullet there with that trade, mm-hmm. but. Um, for someone like Pablo Lopez, who's going to be looking for that one big contract he can probably get in his career, uh, it could be very similar. Barrios, when he signed that extension, also had one year of team control remaining. And so that somewhere between that five for 90, seven for 131, I think if the Twins could get him at that number, they would sign it pretty quick. Right. The Twins do have a weird track record, though, other than that Zach Wheeler uh, attempt uh, at for not signing pitchers over $20 million a year. That, that seems to be like a thing that they... Not not that they, you know, stick to their guns on and, and will never do, but it is uh, a trend that they haven't really ever, any, they've never offered a pitcher uh, more than 20 million um, yeah. average uh, annual value. But they started to spend more recently. They were in the running with Wheeler. They were in mm-hmm. the running with Yu Darvish. By all accounts with both of those, they were right there with the money. It just mm-hmm. ended up that both of those players wanted to be in different cities. Yeah. And so someone like Pablo Lopez, who is already here, who presumably yep. will like to be here after he's been here for a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the hope is you offer him a similar deal and you get that done. And so right. obviously we'd all like to see Pablo Lopez around here for a long time, especially given the questions that the twins rotation has long-term where, mm-hmm. um, you know, gray Molly and Maeda are all free agents at the end of the year. Lopez the year after Ryan will be here for a few years over Varland, Simeon Woods, Richardson, but those are both mm-hmm. question marks. The locking down a top of, the rotation type of starter, I think would be a big deal. Yeah, I, I would be. And hopefully, you know, he, he gels with Correa and Buxton and other guys who are yeah. kind of sitting here long-term to, you know, know that, Hey, this will be the team for the foreseeable future. And um, you'll, you'll be a foundational piece. There's trends. They completely broke every trend when they signed Carlos Correa twice. So who knows <laughs> what they're possible of now? It's true. Yeah. All right. Let's get into the Minnesota sports corner, which is probably my most passionate part of this podcast. Um, So for those (laughs) of you that don't follow the Timberwolves as closely as John and I maybe do, uh, the Timberwolves were in the new play-in tournament for uh, the NBA that they have this year. Now, right before this, the (laughs) Twins were fighting, or the Timberwolves, were fighting for their position in the playoffs. They're trying to get up to the sixth seed so they didn't have to play in the play-in. Then they were playing the Pelicans to try to get the seven or eight so they only have to win one of two instead of two of two in the nine or ten spots. Mm -hmm. And so there was a lot of passion, let's say. There was a lot of anger. There was a lot of uh, emotion going on. And it led to maybe two of the worst Timberwolves moments I can remember in recent memory. Oh, and geez, that is, yeah. that is saying a lot. <laughs> Timberwolves. So to start the big thing that came out was uh, Rudy Gobert punched Kyle Anderson in the chest uh, in the middle of this game against the Pelicans where they're fighting for their spot in the play-in. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kyle Anderson was calling him a bitch to his face over and yep. over again. Rudy mm-hmm. took issue to that. And, Gave him a little shove to the chest. That's part yep. one. 
Part two is then walking back to the locker room at halftime, Jaden McDaniels, the Timberwolves' best player, probably going to make it all – best defensive player, probably going to make an all-defensive team, would be a critical part to any playoff run the Timberwolves hope to make. Yeah. Punches a concrete wall and breaks his hand. Uh, His defense was there was a curtain. He didn't know there was a concrete wall behind it, to which I would say, who cares? Don't punch walls. That's not a good idea. Never, never punch anything that you think could have a wall behind it. I, I honestly, I'm a firm, firm proponent of this now that it's happened not only to the Timberwolves, but it's also happened so many times to like baseball players and pitchers. Uh, like Huascar Noah, like a couple of years ago, punched a wall and it ruined one of my fantasy seasons. Um, <laughs> just, just put a pillow in the in 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 the in the tunnel. Just something like a like a pinata, just something that's super punchable. So if you really need to take out your aggression, do it against something that won't break your hand. Because there Punch is Kyle Anderson's chest. You know what? You know what? I don't know about that one, but uh, sure, sure. Just, <laughs> just not a wall. Just not something that you could break your hand. Because that, like, it, I love Jaden McDaniels. I, I think he's the future of the Timberwolves. Like, obviously, he's he he is. Uh, definitely going to be all defense this year he should be first team um but it, the biggest thing about him the biggest knock about him in college was his temper and he's actually toned it down uh for the most part uh in his career he's there's been a couple outbursts this season but this is just one of those just you kind of remind yourself that he's he's still just a kid um and that there's still some 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 growing that he needs to go through yeah, with Jaden McDaniels, we'll talk more about Rudy Gobert in a minute because I have a big rant I'm going to go on with him. <laughs> I'm sure you do. But did. with Jaden McDaniels, he is the best defender in the NBA, I would say. Um, every conceivable defensive metric puts him one of one, right? Mm-hmm. He has the rare combination of being able to guard the point of attack, guard a wing, or protect the paint. Yep. And so there's just not that many players like that, frankly, in the history of the NBA. And the fact mm-hmm. that Jaden McDaniels can do it so well is the key to the defense, I would say, even more than Gobert and his rim protection. Yeah, and so, I mean, he's the one that sets the tone for how where, where the ball's going to go because he's almost always going to be on the best player. Um, and, yeah, it's he his play this year has been so impressive, and I've loved that he's also improved in his scoring. Obviously, he had some insane pro-am games over the offseason where he was, like, dropping 70 in Seattle um, against legitimate NBA players. Um, obviously, it's a pro-am, so it is what it is. But yeah, I, uh, man, it just sucks because the other thing too is that Nas was out with the wrist fracture. So we literally, the next big we have up is Nate Knight. Nate Knight, baby. And that ain't good. Oh, goodness. Um, Nate Knight and uh, LFG Luca fucking Garza. So, (laughs) well, the problem with Garza, he's on a two way, so he can't even play in the playoffs. Oh, that's true. Forgot about that. So there we go. Um, Now, well, let's wrap this up by saying extend Jaden McDaniels. <laughs> then yeah, we'll yeah, move yeah. on. Yeah, e- even with the broken hand, just extend them. I don't care. E- extend Jaden McDaniels, extend Anthony Edwards. Back the rest up of it, the Brinks truck. Let's the rest it. of it, whatever. Yeah. Now, let's talk about Rudy Gobert. Now, here's the thing. I think <laughs> in the moment, what Rudy Gobert did is understandable. To yes. his credit, he has owned up to it. He has said, I should not have done that. Yep. Me and Kyle are good. We've talked about it. It seems like all of his teammates... They've kind of moved on and Mm -hmm. they're over it. He's been the adult in the room said, I made a mistake. This is on me. Yep. Now he was suspended (laughs) for the Lakers playing game, which means the Timberwolves didn't get the seventh seed against the depleted Memphis Grizzlies, who they'd have Mm -hmm. a good chance to move on against. Instead, they have to play the one seed uh, Denver Nuggets with back-to-back MVP, Nikola Jokic. Mm -hmm. And, that's going to be tough. It was going to be tough regardless, but I think the Timberwolves would have much rather drawn the Grizzlies. Now, my Rudy Gobert rant. I have lived in Utah for the last decade. Yeah. I am a Jazz season ticket holder. I don't particularly love the Jazz. The Timberwolves are my team. I'm a Minnesota kid, but I love basketball. And so I go to the team that's in town. Yep. I have been a Rudy Gobert defender for a long time. Mm-hmm. when he was with the Jazz, screen assists. Yeah, I'm all about it. Oh, he's crying because he didn't make the all-star team. Draymond Green, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. Rudy <laughs> Gobert's good. I've completely changed my mind. I had already <laughs> changed my mind before this happened, and now uh, I, I'm just completely out on Rudy Gobert. I don't think you can build a real title-contending team with Rudy Gobert on your team. He is soft. He is weak. When 
every teammate that you have doesn't like you, you are the problem. Like, it's like the guy that you go to college with. He's like, yeah, man, I, you know, I want to make friends. I want to find a girlfriend, but everyone's kind of an asshole. And I don't know if, you know, I can get along with them. No, man, if everybody else is the asshole, you're the asshole. And so <laughs> it's just one of those things where at some point you got to look in the mirror. And then if you just want to look at it at a basketball level. Mm-hmm. Rudy Gobert is a walking top 10 defense, right? That was yep. true with the Timberwolves this year. If it's true with the Timberwolves, it's true with anyone. If it's true with the Jazz the last few years with how poorly Mike Conley and uh, Donovan Mitchell were defending on the perimeter, mm-hmm. it's true with anyone. Hey, I, don't, I don't want any slander on Minnesota Mike, okay? We love Minnesota Mike. We love Mountain Mike. We love Memphis Mike. Mike Conley's <laughs> a great guy. I have nothing yeah. bad to say about Mike Conley. But he's not a great defender anymore. He's 36. And yeah, so, there's that. Um, Rudy Gobert, like I said, walking top 10 defense, but every year in every serious game, the team's game plan at the end of the game is bring Gobert to you. Seven me a ball screen. I want Gobert on me. I'm going to take him off the dribble. I'm going to bully him in the post. And every time it works, the jazz were the one seed two years ago. The jazz have been dark horse title contenders. Look at how good the Cleveland Cavaliers are with Donovan Mitchell and Mm -hmm. big guys like Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. And mm-hmm. the Jazz couldn't replicate that success with Rudy Gobert because Rudy Gobert doesn't have it. He's not that guy, right? And so <laughs> I, I think I get what the Timberwolves were trying to do. I did get what Tim Conley was trying to do in making this move. He saw this is one of the best offensive teams in the NBA. Their yep. two problems are interior defense and rebounding. Mm-hmm. You know yep. what two things Rudy Gobert can do? Interior defense and rebound. But you forget to take into account that you have Carl Anthony Towns, who is already a really good center, and maybe they can work together, maybe they can't. I know he can't defend inside, but you have uh, to figure out a way to make it work with Cat. Can't defend is a stretch. He's a he's a he's a minus. <laughs> that that's probably true. But <laughs> point being, I, I think that you could have put a better team together this year just with Jared Vanderbilt instead of Rudy Gobert, and certainly with Walker Kessler and Jared Vanderbilt, who is going to finish second in Rookie of the Year voting voting Walker Kessler, maybe third. Mm -hmm. And you could have had all your draft picks. Now instead, you're locked into this team. Unless you want to get rid of Carl Anthony Towns, which I don't think anybody does, or unless you want to get rid of Rudy Gobert for scraps, because that's Mm -hmm. what he's worth at this point, maybe you get a fringe rotation player for Rudy Gobert. You're not getting any of your picks back. You're just stuck. And so... That's my Rudy Gobert rant. I've been talking for so long. John, what are your thoughts? Uh I am not I have not soured on Gobert yet. Um <laughs> I, I still like what he brings to the team. Um I mean, granted, this the playing game against OKC was like tailor made for Gobert. Uh because the Thunder don't uh, have a center. Because the yeah, the tallest guy in the Thunder is six ten. Actually, technically the tallest guy in the Thunder is seven one Chet Holmgren and seven oh Alexei Pokusev. Uh, but both of those guys are hurt. So yeah, the next guy they had was 6'10 at Jalen for Jalen Williams. Um, I will be very interested to see how this Denver series turns out because I think we're actually the perfect matchup for Denver in the fe- in the sense that like if we limit Gobert's uh, not Gobert, if we limit um Jokic. uh, Jokic's effective uh effectiveness, like the rest of that team, you're gonna have to rely on Jamal Murray to somehow like you know score 30 points a game for like maybe three games. And I don't think I don't, I don't think we could bank on that if you're Denver. Um, and I think Rudy Gobert being able to stop Jokic in some way is is huge. So in terms of, you know, it, in terms of postseason opponents, I would have liked, um, obviously, Memphis. Uh, they're hurting a little bit right now. Uh, you know, they're, they're, their only center would be JJJ. Uh, they do have Zeri Tillman, but obviously that, that doesn't really count. Um, but I, I do like the matchup against Denver. I, I think it'll be a, a tough series. Uh, but I think the Wolves are somewhat hitting their stride here. Uh, at least I want to hope that. Um, and yeah, I mean, the weird thing though is, so I was at the play-in game actually on on Friday against OKC, and and I don't know if this was like a back thing with Gobert because uh, he he was dealing with some back spasms uh, that he had, like he had a little bit of a, an injury thing going on, but he wasn't finishing a lot of lobs. Uh, he like he got the ball a few times, uh, you know, on the block. And just couldn't finish. Granted, uh, that's because OKC also kept on fouling him, and he actually hit a decent number of his three throws. He wasn't atrocious at the line, uh, and I just hope that uh, <laughs> that somehow, like, they're able to figure out a way that it, Jokic isn't just hacking Gobert all the time. Uh, obviously, Go- Jokic is important enough that they're not going to let him hack Gobert, 
but maybe that might be the effective way to stop Gobert in the in the in the post. And in that case, you know, guys like Ant are going to have to step up a little bit. Ant had an okay game. I think he had 19 points, 10 rebounds. So not like a, a, an amazing game by any respect, but you know, good enough. Uh, we're yeah. playing OKC. It's not like it. We needed elite scoring from everyone. Um, but I I am excited for this this uh, playoff series to start today. Uh, the Timberwolves are going to get swept. Uh, <laughs> I, I am as negative on this team as I've ever been. I'm going to watch every game. I'm going to pray to the basketball gods that they can pull this one out. But yep. Nikola Jokic is pretty much the worst matchup for Rudy Gobert. He is big and bulky. He is significantly stronger than he is, but at the same time, uh, he's going to pull you out on the perimeter. He's going to throw the ball around the court. And so it does two things wrong, which is uh, if Jokic is backing Gobert down, Jokic is going to win that most of the time. And then if Jokic has the ball out on the perimeter, that means Gobert's out on the perimeter, which is not where you want Rudy Gobert, right? He is best around the rim. Yeah. And so I think that's bad. And if uh, I don't know if you've uh, heard this story, John, before we wrap up here, but um a few years ago the jazz were playing the nuggets yep is uh, this the bubble series that you're going to talk about i don't i don't know when it is because Jamal okay. murray doesn't specifically say but okay. Jamal murray shared a story about rudy gobert where um they were they were playing the nuggets and uh towards the end of the game mm-hmm. rudy go uh nikola Jokic gets the ball top of the key rudy gobert uh Kind of calls out to his teammates, hey, guys, I got him. I got him. I'm running out to him. I got him. Nikola Jokic stares at him in the face and says, brother, I have 47. And <laughs> Gobert did not have him. So that, that's what I think of every time I think of Nikola Jokic and Rudy Gobert. Just Jokic saying, brother, I have 47. <laughs> so I, I'm not confident. Now, I, I don't want to let my Minnesota sports pessimism get too down uh, yeah. on everything. I think the fact that, you know, we're really disappointed in this Timberwolves season and they yep. still had a good shot at getting the six seed, could have yep. gotten the seven seed, ended up with the eight. That's leaps and bounds from where the Wolves were four years ago. You know, and, and they so, made back to back playoff series for the I first know, time the first in 19 KG. years. Yeah. And so I, I think long term, the Timberwolves aren't in that bad of a place. They have Ant, they have. Mm-hmm uh towns they have mcdaniels i think what you get out of go bear at this point is a little bit of a bonus and that's okay as long as new ownership is going to pay up to keep everybody so john let's go watch some timberwolves uh yep. let, let's see what happens tonight and yeah thank you everybody for listening thank you for indulging us as we briefly turned into a timberwolves podcast to <laughs> uh end everything here uh, as always if you like what you heard here be sure to check out our work at Twinkie Town, where we're writing about all of the games. We're covering every single game. Check out our game threads for some good in-game banter with uh, fun Twins fans. And you can check out John on Pitcher List talking about fantasy baseball. Uh, and you can also follow us at uh, the John Kuh and Ben Jones underscore five on Twitter. Uh, be sure to also follow the podcast on Twitter at Twins Talk Pod. And if you like what you heard, give us a follow on your favorite podcast. Like we mentioned, we're pretty much on everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google. Um, we're still working on getting on LimeWire, but eventually we'll, we'll be there too. Uh, and yeah, join us next week as we talk more Twins and maybe more Timberwolves. We'll see. Well, we'll do a little bit of Timberwolves chat, I'm sure. We'll keep it a little shorter. Um, so as always, go Twins and of course, extend Jaden McDaniels. Bye.